morning, everybody. It's a joy this morning to be able to introduce our guests uh, to you. Uh, before I do that, I'd like to uh, read uh, three very familiar verses. comes out of the uh, book of Genesis, chapter 12. They're familiar to you. Chapter 12 of Genesis, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Really blessed this morning uh, to have a husband-wife team with us and come to our platform. Uh, They're no strangers to us at all. Uh, We've met them before, Paul and Tanya Gericke, missionaries to Romania. Uh, And we've met Vernon Gloria Wagner, uh, who are now in Romania, and we sponsor them uh, through our missions budget as well. We've met uh, Thomas and uh, Tunde Modai, who are Romanian and who work closely with Paul and Tanya. But today we have the leaders uh, of the mission movement there in Romania, Paul and Tanya. And I expect that they're stretched a lot these days. Paul, I think you're studying as well, aren't you? Uh, on, on top of all the other things, uh, going back and getting further education. Uh, but building uh, Camp Falcon Rock, ministering to churches in Romania, uh, encouraging groups as they come over, just uh, a plateful. And, uh, but we're glad that they're with us today, and uh, Tanya's going to come first of all and share, and then Paul will come a little bit later. Let's give them a warm welcome. Thanks, Ken. Good morning, everyone. It's such a blessing to be with you this morning. It's hard to believe that uh, it was already four years ago that we were here And a lot has happened, and we can see that at TCC, that God has been faithfully working in this congregation. So it's truly a blessing for us to see that and to be back with you. Um, Four years ago, Paul and I, we moved to Romania uh, to establish the NAB uh, mission field there and to work, as Pastor Ken was saying, with Thomas and Tunda and Vernon Gloria uh, and to build Camp Falcon Rock. And it's just been such a a blessing to be a part of that ministry. And uh, though it's been hard to be away from friends and family and hard to be away from Canada, it's been so rich living in Romania. We live in a tiny little village of about 200 people. And it's such a beautiful community to be a part of their community and to be a part of their churches. Uh, And it's just been so spiritually rich as we've seen God grow us and grow our team and grow this ministry. Um, And it's interesting, being in Romania, as you can see in this picture, this is our village here. It's a very agricultural type of country. There's a lot of farmlands, there's rolling rolling hills, and it's really beautiful. Uh, And I grew up in Vancouver, so I was not really in this sort of uh, culture in Vancouver. But the garden analogy has come to life for me in a new way. And it felt like the first three years of living in Romania was the beginning stages of a garden where you're just toiling the dirt, getting it ready for, for what's going to grow. And that was the first three years for us in Romania. 
But this last year has been a, a year of fruit and a year of growth. And we're just praising God for all the things that he's doing in the ministry and uh, through Camp Falcon Rock. And so I just want to show you a few pictures of the exciting things that God's been doing. Uh, so as Pastor Ken mentioned, we are building Camp Falcon Rock. We're actually building the buildings and establishing um, the program. And the reason why the camp is, is so important is because in Romania... There are thousands and thousands of villages, uh, each with their own church, because people cannot travel to big centers to go to a church. And so in our region, there's over 200 Hungarian Baptist churches, but only 54 pastors. And so the reality of this means that each pastor is pastoring between three to ten churches, and they just don't have the capacity to run youth programs, kids' programs, and ministries beyond the Sunday morning service because they're already working at full capacity shepherding their churches. And so the camp is going to be a center where churches can come and teenagers can come and kids can come and hear the gospel and to be evangelized to and to see leadership and discipleship happen. And so we are building the camp. In the last three years, this was one of the existing buildings at the camp property. Uh, It was just a little old farmhouse that we renovated. Uh, and so it started out like this, and for the last three years we've been renovating it, and it now looks like this. Uh, and we can host about 60 people there for eating. We have two rooms in this uh, building. We have a nice patio space there, too, where we can run programs. Uh, and it's just been such a blessing to have this building up and running, and it's allowed us to start active ministry at the camp. Uh, the other building that was on the property was a little farmhouse that looked like this. <laughs> and uh, our, our camp director, Thomas, he said, every man has a second chance. That what, that's what we hear in the Bible. And he says, this building has a second chance. <laughs> so we started renovating it, and it's turned into a staff house. And what was interesting is we had a lady come to install uh, these windows. A whole company came. And when she arrived, she looked at the building and she said, there is no way I'm installing my beautiful wind- windows in that building. <laughs> uh, but we went ahead with it, and, uh, and today it now looks like this. And it's a, a staff house for us, and this summer we were able to use it for programs as well. We have uh, two different bedroom areas where we can have bunk beds and host people in there, as well as there's a little kitchen. So long term, we can have staff live on the property and live up there. Uh, you want to go to the next picture there? Yeah, so the next exciting thing that we have is that we are starting to build our cabins. Uh, and these cabins are duplex cabins, and they'll be able to host about 40 people. And this is happening right now. Uh, so Paul and I, we are here in Canada for the next couple of months on a mini home assignment. Uh, but we've left Thomas and Tunda and Vernon Gloria and our workers there, and they're working on developing the cabins. So this is very exciting for us. It's a season where we're seeing a lot of growth happen. Uh, And we're looking forward into the future of what else is going to be built. Um, But this has already allowed us to begin active ministry. And so we've been able to see churches come to the property. uh, And they've been able to rent the facility out and uh, run youth programs and run kids programs. We've had a church meeting there weekly on Sunday mornings to do their worship service there. Um, And just recently we had, this last year, we had a Thanksgiving Day service. And we had 600 people show up to the camp property. (laughs) And as, if you remember, I said we can only host about 60 people in that building. But we had 600 people on the camp property. And everyone was there just praising God for what he's been doing in their lives and what he's been doing in the camp and in the camp ministry. And so that was exciting to see uh, the momentum and to see the local support of this ministry. That 
This is a need, and the people want it. Uh, so that was very exciting. The other things that we've seen uh, with the camp is leadership development has already taken place. So this is really our heart uh, in establishing the camp. We know there's going to be a big vision and a big way God's going to use the camp. But we want to see the next generation of young people in Rom- Romania built up uh, into followers of Christ to pursue his kingdom there. And we've already seen that happen. This is a picture of a young man named Obed. And uh, when we first arrived... We started doing VBS programs in the villages because the camp wasn't at that place where it was ready to have programs there. So we would go out to the villages, and we invited the youth from our uh, village to come help us and volunteer. And the first year, the boys didn't come. A couple of the girls came, but they kind of sat back and just watched the program happen. The second year they came out, the boys came out, um, and we're not sure if they really helped that summer. They were kind of just monkeys playing around, wanting to play soccer the whole time, but it was nice to see them there. And then the third summer, they came out. No bed was on that team, too. And we really saw them step up in leadership. And we saw them uh, want to invest time with the kids that were coming to the program and wanted to truly serve and express their faith in that way. And then this last year, this is a picture from the last year, we saw uh, the young people step out into full leaders where they were actually taking the program on on their own and sharing uh, a message with the kids and sharing the gospel. And so it's just been so incredible to see God already transforming uh, the young people in Romania for his mission. Uh, The other thing that happened this summer is we were able to open up the doors of Camp Falcon Rock for the first time. And this is a big prayer request for us in the spring that we would be able to run a program uh, on our own and have like a week-long camp at the camp. And we did that. And this is a picture of our very first campfire. (laughs) It was raining that night, but we said that wasn't going to prevent us from running the first campfire at Camp Falcon Rock. So we set this up. We had about 21 teams teens come out to the the camp that week Uh, and again it was just such an incredible way where we saw God's spirit alive and moving and reaching these young people and the next slide is actually our first campfire where we were outdoors in the campfire looking over that beautiful landscape uh, and just worshiping God and and it was really neat we had a young boy um, named Donnie he came uh, to this camp and he's one of the teens from our villages uh, that we've been working with for the last four years. And last year, uh, Donnie, we were having this youth event, and he was really asking, you know, I don't know what it means to follow Christ. I don't know if I actually have accepted Christ in my life, and I don't know if I really want to commit to him that way. And so this last year, we'd been praying for Donnie. You know, we'd be praying that God would really speak to him and reveal himself to him and uh, that he would have a, a strong community uh, around him that would encourage him in this way. And Donnie came to this camp, And at this campfire, it was the last night, uh, he asked all the teens to close their eyes. And so all the teens closed their eyes. And Donnie said, imagine the creator of this universe created you. Do you know that? Do you know that you are God's child, that God created you? He's like, open your eyes. Look, God's created all of this. Look around us. Look at this beautiful view around us. God's created all of this, and this God loves you, and he created you. And he just started to preach the gospel about how we need to find our identities in Christ and to know ourselves as God's child. And we were just blown away that Donnie a year ago, who had no idea if he, if he knew really who Jesus was or if he wanted to follow him, was now preaching uh, to these teens amongst his peers. And so we're just praising God for the ways that he's moving at Camp Falcon Rock, the ways that he's reaching the young people. And so we want to thank you for, for your support of this. We feel like what we're seeing right now is just a glimpse of what's to come. 
And yet at the same time, it's just already been so worth it to be a part of this ministry, to see people like Donnie transformed by Christ. And so we want to thank you for your support, allowing us to be there, to be supporting us with prayer and finances. Uh, We just appreciate this, and we want you to see the blessing that it's been um, to to see this ministry uh, happen. So going forward, we still have big projects ahead. We're working on the two cabins, as we saw in the pictures earlier. We're also needing to build our water and sewage system, and then we're going to build this main lodge, which will allow us to... um, grow our capacity to have about 200 people be fed in this building. So coming up in the next year, this is a big project uh, for us. And uh, we just are seeking your prayer and your su- continued support as we move ahead with, with, the, uh, with the ministry. So if you could be praying for us, we appreciate your prayers for continuing to see the gospel just transform lives in Romania. Would you pray for us as we continue to learn the language of Hungarian and connect with uh, those that are in our village and around us? Uh, you can pray as we step into these building projects. It's, it's, build, it's big projects. Uh, we need a lot of permits. We need finances. So if you could pray for us in that way, too we'd appreciate it. Um, But from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for allowing us to be uh, with you this morning. Uh, And God bless to all of you. Well, good morning. It is is good to be here. Uh, Tanya is a much better preacher than me, so the last six minutes will be better than the next 20 minutes. But um, one thing that we say, and maybe I shared this last time we were here, uh, there's this saying in, in Romania when we're talking about the language of Hungarian that Hungarian is actually the language we'll speak in heaven. Did you know that? And the reason it's the, the language of heaven is because it takes an eternity to learn. And it feels that way, and I was offered a pig if I could preach in Hungarian by Christmas time, and People always say Tanya will be able to translate for me before I'll be able to preach in Hungarian because she's doing a lot better than I am uh, in Hungarian. But uh, everything when it comes to Romania uh, can be difficult. Uh, One of the things that one of our board members in Romania said about the development of Camp Falcon Rock is he said, this isn't a simple task. We know it's not a simple task, but it's a historic one. And it's a historic one because we don't have Bible schools like we do in Canada, in Romania. We don't have YWAM programs in Romania like we do in Canada. We don't have camps in Romania like we do in Canada. And so there's such a need for evangelism. There's such a need for leadership development. There's such a need for spiritual growth in the next generation of those in Romania. Uh, And we're beginning, as Tanya shared about in the last couple minutes, we're beginning to see that happen. And and, and Terwilliger Community Church is as much a part of that as we are. Your ongoing support, your ongoing prayer, and we, we do thank you for that. Uh, this morning, I want to continue to share stories of what God's doing in Romania, but in the context of this passage that Pastor Ken read from us. And so we read Genesis 12, 1 to 3. If you have your Bibles, I, I want you to turn there. But I, I want us to think this morning about the calling that God has for us in our lives. What does it look like that God calls all of us into mission? What does it look like that God has a specific call for each and every one of us? What is it that God is doing in your life, even as we think about stepping into a new year? So unfortunately, summer is coming to an end, and now we're stepping into a new school year, which I'm sure the kids and the children and the youth are rejoicing about. Probably the parents are rejoicing about more so. Uh, But it's a new year, and we think about as we step into this new year, What is the calling that God has 
for me and, and you, and what does it mean to truly be a disciple? Uh, I remember when I was first called to Romania, one of the most, one of the clear specific moments, uh, I was sitting in a dessert fundraiser. And, and I was at this dessert fundraiser, and, and what this dessert fundraiser was about was for a, a family who was raising money to provide income and support for uh, sick children and sick families who didn't have financial means to provide for operations or provide for different situations. And some of that was internationally. So I went to this dessert fundraiser. Tanya and I were there. And what uh, the husband had done was he had run across the Sahara Desert for hundreds of kilometers over a number of days. And he was showing the video of this run that he had been on. And I remember watching that and the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, what if I called you to something like that? And I thought, I would hate that. I hate heat and I don't want to run. And the Lord spoke to me again and said, I'm not specifically running across the Sahara Desert because he knew I would die because I'm weak. Uh, but what if I called you to do something like that? Like move away from home into something new, into something difficult. Would you respond? And in the most faithful discipleship way, <laughs> I said no. I was like, there's no way. And, and these excuses came up. I had a job. I was pastoring at Central Baptist Church. Tanya had a job as she was moving into being a teacher. We had just recently purchased a home in Sherwood Park. Uh, our family and our friends and our life is here in Canada. And I said, there's no way that I could leave this because this is where I am now. And God said, no, I'm calling you to that. And as I began to run through all of these excuses and all of these reasons why I couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or didn't want to do it, it came down to two things. Number one was my fear of what I was being called into. And the second was devotion. Was I truly devoted to God? Was I, was I truly devoted to what he had called me to, to be a disciple, to to be a follower of Jesus, was I truly devoted to him? What we see in the life of Abraham is one of devotion. Uh, Abraham has a very specific call, a very difficult call, and, and there's this devotion to God. As we look at these passages, allow me just to pray uh, for the last couple minutes that we have as we look at verses 1 through 3. And this call that Abraham had and his response to that and the call that God has for us and what our response should be. Let me pray. Fathers, we look at Abraham's life. Uh, I pray that you would be speaking to us in these moments that you have before us. Would you, by your spirit, speak to our hearts about what it means to forsake our lives, what it means to follow you, and what it means to be a blessing to the nations. Lord, we know that these words uh, would be spoken by you, Lord. The only words that would change our hearts would be the words spoken by you, and we pray that we would hear that this morning. Lord, we give you this in your name. Amen. So as we look at, at Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we see a couple of things. The, the first thing is this call that God had for Abraham to do something. And the first thing that this call was, was to forsake. So verse 1, as Pastor Ken read already, says, Leave your country. Leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Did you notice that? It says, 
leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Now, what is, what is God saying to Abraham? What was it that Abraham had to forsake? When you begin to, to look at each of these things that he had to forsake, there's something significant behind each and every one of them. So the Lord says, leave your country. Now, what he's saying is leave everything that's familiar to you. Uh, Tanya and I know what that's like as we've left Canada and we moved to Romania. And as you move into a new culture and you move into a new country, you begin to understand how hard it can be to leave what's familiar to you. Uh, And that's the call that Abraham had was leave everything that's familiar to you, your country, your language, everything you know, I want you to leave that. The, The second thing was leave your people. Now he's saying, you know that community group that you live in, you know those friends that you're associated with, you know your neighbors, I want you to leave them. And then the third piece the Lord calls him to is, he says, leave your father's household. Now, it is hard to leave family, and Tanya and I have experienced that, and it's always a blessing when we come back to Canada and we get to see our family again. Leaving family is one of the hardest things to leave, but it's even deeper than this for Abraham as he's called to leave his father's household because it's not just the the relationship with his family that he's called to leave. He's actually called to leave his father's provision. So his father that would have been provided for him, that, that, that inheritance, all of that, he was called to leave that. So Abraham is called to absolutely leave everything, everything that's familiar, your friends, your family, and your financial provision. God is saying, I want you to leave that. And I want you to go to the place that I'm calling you to. Now, I, I don't know if any of you have experienced a calling like that. I don't know if there's ever been that moment when you're sitting in that dessert fundraiser and God says, I want you to go. But this is the call of the disciple. Anyone that truly wants to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, is called to forsake. Now, maybe that isn't moving to another country. Maybe that isn't moving to another land. But we are called to forsake. There's a, a very... A common story that we know of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus one day and says, Jesus, what, what must I do to follow you? What does it look like to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say, to, says to him? He says, leave everything you have and follow me. Go and sell all of your possessions and follow me. And what does that rich young ruler do? He looks at Jesus and he says, I, I possibly can't do that. He turns away and he goes his own direction. There's this calling to forsake for all of us as as disciple makers. Uh, Vernon Gloria Wagner, who many of you may know and Terwilliger Community Church has been faithful supporters of Vernon Gloria Wagner and they are good friends of Tanya and I's and they live in Romania down the street from us. I, I remember when they came on the first missions trip, they came on one of the first missions trips ever to Romania and Vern hit the ground in Romania and he said, they were only supposed to be there for two weeks. He said, God is calling us to live here longer. And I remember talking with Vern that week and saying, but you have children back at home and you have grandchildren back at home. How could you possibly leave that? And he says, if God is calling us to be in Romania, I have to leave that because that's where he wants us. And he went home and Glory went home and they prayed about it for the next month. And they called us on Skype and they said, God is calling us to move to Romania. And I remember thinking, how could you leave your, your children and your grandchildren? But that was the call that God had for them. 
And there's this rich legacy inheritance that they're leaving in the Wagner family about what it means to follow Christ with their lives. And what we see is that this is the heart of the gospel, is it not? Well, what's, what's the example that Christ gave us? Here's Christ who we read about in John chapter 1 who is at the creation of the world. But what does Philippians chapter 2 tells us? He comes down and sacrifices so that our lives could be changed. Paul talks about what it truly means for Christ to sacrifice. He said, your attitude, talking about to the Philippian church, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's the gospel. Christ came down to earth so that we could be saved. And, and, and we think about what Christ had to forsake so that we might be saved. And that's the call for us. What does it look like for us to be a disciple? What does it look like for us to forsake that which Christ is calling us to forsake? And so Abraham is called in verse 1 to forsake his country, to forsake his friends, to forsake his provision, his father's household. That's the call for us. The second thing that we see in this passage is that he's called to follow. The end of verse 1, it says, And go to the land that I will show you. First, you've got to forsake yourself. Now you have to go to where I will show you. There's a, a very interesting moment in the life of Levi. Levi was the disciple named Matthew. And Jesus comes to Levi one time in, in Luke chapter 5, and he looks at him specifically. And now Levi is, is not uh, a great Christian at this time. Levi is not a, uh, a spiritual giant this time. Levi is a tax collector, which if you know anything about tax collectors, you can almost equate the word tax collector for sinner. And we see that in Romania as well. And so here's Levi as this sinner, this tax collector. Jesus looks specifically at him and he says, Levi, I want you to follow me. Throughout the Gospels, we read over and over this word, follow me, where Jesus looks at disciples or looks at people and he says, follow me. And that's the calling that we have. That's the calling that Abraham had where he looked at where God spoke to Abraham and said, go to the land that I will show you. Follow me. Jesus looks at Levi and says, follow me. The Lord looks at us if we proclaim to be disciples and says, follow me. And within this calling of, of following is this call of devotion. It's this call of following the Lord with our lives. Um, when Tanya and I had first moved to Romania... In the first couple months of us living there, uh, one of the things that we have in our home in Romania is a boiler unit. Now, um, in, in Romania, we don't have gas like we do in, in Canada. And so to heat our home, we have to chop wood. We have to stack wood. We have to take that wood. We have to start a fire. It's very manly. And, and I feel sort of like a man when I'm chopping the wood and st stoking the fire. Uh, and so that's kind of the way that we live our lives in Romania. And we have this boiler unit, which I know nothing about, except when we moved into our home, they said, if the pressure gauge ever goes above three, that's a problem. Now, they didn't say what to do if the pressure gauge goes above three. They just said, if it goes above three, that's a problem. And so 
One day I heard there was a noise in our boiler, so I went downstairs and I looked at it and the pressure gauge was at four. And simple math tells me that four is higher than three and so that's a problem. And I thought, well, what do I do now? And I thought, well, I'm a man, so I should have tools in my hand, right? Isn't that what men do? They have tools in their hand. And, and so I looked at this boiler and I thought, if I had tools in my hand, I'd know how to fix it, really not knowing how to fix it. And so I thought I need to go get tools, so I stepped out of the boiler room, took two steps, and the boiler exploded. And in one instant, I was on the ground, and it was dark, and there was water and glass everywhere, uh, and the house shook, and luckily our house is made of concrete, because then it stayed still. If our house was made like they do in Canada of wood, it probably would have been blown up. And I ran upstairs, and Tanya came outside and said, what did you do? I said, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, and I'm covered in glass and water and, and blood, and it was a, a great situation. And so we went back out and had to put the fire out. And it was, it was a close call. It really was two steps from, uh, from dying. The, the water that had exploded, it was at, sitting at 120 degrees. It was vaporizing, and it blew up the entire boiler. And the boiler that weighs about 1,000 pounds was thrown across the room, and I would have been hit by it if I'd stayed in there. And, and I remember that night just thinking about this call, thinking about what does it mean to truly be devoted to the Lord? Is this really what we want to do, uh, even if it means life or death? And, and realizing in that moment that that's the call for us. Our call is, whether in life or death, we're called to follow Christ. And is that easy sometimes? No, it's really hard. Does it make it hard going into a new year and into a new school year and stepping into, a, into school as, as in grade 10 or 11 and saying you're a Christian? Is that hard? Yes. That is hard. I live that. Is it hard going into our workplaces and saying we're Christians and that we follow Jesus and the way that Jesus tells me to live my life is very different than the world telling me the way I ought to live? Yes, that's hard. But that's the call. And it was hard for Abraham. So there's this call to follow, there's this call to forsake, and then lastly, in the last minute that we have, there's a call to be a blessing. And that's what we see in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, the Lord says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So the Lord looks at Abraham and says, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now in what way is Abraham a blessing to the nations? What is the biggest way that Abraham is a blessing to the nations? What is God specifically referring to here? Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to be honest. How many of you love genealogies? How many of you wake up every morning in your devotion time thinking, I'm going to dig into a genealogy today because that's going to be life-changing for me? Uh, I know I don't, but there is a great genealogy that is life-changing, and it's at the beginning of the book of Matthew, and it begins with Abraham, and who does the genealogy end with? Jesus. The, the genealogy begins with Abraham and ends with Jesus. Think about that. It begins with Abraham, and it ends with Jesus. So through the line of Abraham comes Jesus. So who is the blessing to the nations? Through Abraham's obedience comes the blessing to the nations in Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, 
died on the cross, rose again so that we might have life. That's the blessing to the nations. And in Abraham's obedience, the line of Jesus came about and Jesus came to this earth to save us. And and that's the call for us. There's this very interesting passage that that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he says, Jesus came to reconcile us. He came to reconcile us to himself, to, to God, that the only reason we are saved is because of what Christ did out of his love to reconcile us to God. Now he doesn't stop there. He says, go and be agents of reconciliation. He says, if you've been saved, if you've been saved, if I've been saved, go and be agents of reconciliation. I know my time is gone, but let me tell you two quick stories to close. When I was young, uh, my favorite thing about summer uh, was ice cream trucks. Can anyone agree with me on that? You're sitting at home. I was playing Madden 94 on the Sega Genesis, and you'd hear the ice cream truck come. And it was the most exciting thing, and so you'd pause the game you'd get out of your seat and you'd run outside and you'd try and find the ice cream truck and you'd go from neighborhood to neighborhood listening to the sound and you'd finally see it and there would be some kids eating ice cream and you'd go up to them very calmly and you'd say, where's the ice cream truck? And they'd be like, oh, go go that way and to the left and so you'd go to the next neighborhood and you'd see some other kids who were eating ice cream and you'd go up to them very calmly and quietly and you'd say, where's the ice cream truck? And they'd be like, oh, in the next in the next uh, subdivision, and then you'd go there and you'd see it, and it'd be the greatest moment of summer when you could eat the ice cream. Now think about going to the first kids and going up to them and being like, where's the ice cream truck? And they look at you and they're like, I'm not going to tell you. I've got my ice cream, that's all that matters. I mean, I'd fight those kids, and then I'd lose. But, but think about it. No kid would do that. They found ice cream. They found the glory. And they're like, oh, if you keep going, you're going to find ice cream. They, they've experienced it and they want you to experience it. And in a very simple, simple way, that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians. Where he says, go and be agents of reconciliation. We've found the greatest thing there is in this world. And that's the gospel. And that's the saving work of Jesus Christ. Now go and spread that news and share it. Last story one of the youth that we work with, Tanya was talking about today, just about the development in the youth's lives that the Lord has been doing. And these youth will come and translate. And I remember one of our youth were primarily speaking Hungarian in our region. And, and I remember there was a, a boy or a young guy who had been living in England. And so he came back and, and we said, would you come and translate for us? Uh, it's our last day of EBS. We need you to come translate. He said, sure, I'd love to. He grew up in the church He speaks English fluently, Hungarian fluently, and he came and he translated, spent that whole day translating for us. And a couple couple months later, uh, we had a baptism service and he decided to get baptized. And he was sharing his testimony and said, you know, it's interesting because my whole life I had heard the gospel. I grew up in the church. I heard the message of Jesus Christ and I never wanted to give my life to the Lord. We didn't know any of this. He said, I never wanted to give my life to the Lord. And then It was on that last day of VBS when I was translating, and I was translating the words of what was being shared about the gospel and the saving work of Jesus Christ when I decided, I need to give my life to the Lord. And he gave his life to the Lord, and a couple months later he was baptized and just realized that this is the work of the Lord in our lives. This is what God wants to do. 
He wants to save us. He wants us to spread the good news. He wants lives to be changed. So as disciples, would we be those that follow the Lord, forsake that which we need to forsake, be a blessing to the nations? Let me pray. Father, we do thank you that you came to save us. The only reason that we can be a blessing, the only reason that we can go and share the good news, the only reason that we can be in Romania, Tewilliger Community Church can be an impact in Tewilliger, Edmonton, is because of what you did, Christ. So we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Lord, we pray that we would be those that follow you. We would be those that, that forsake our lives. We would be those that follow your calling, and we would be those that are agents of reconciliation, as Paul calls us. We pray all these things in your name.